Hello and welcome to the Refreshing Change podcast. My name is Nicola Scott and I will be your host. Claire, thank you for joining me on the Refreshing Change podcast. Welcome. Oh, I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Nicola. I'm so excited to hear some of, like, draw out some of your expertise and I'll get you to introduce yourself properly to the listeners and tell them a bit about who you are and what you're all about. Because I always butcher people's intros. <laughs> I am um, knowing you, I'm excited for, for where this conversation is going to go. So can I hand over to you initially, Claire, and tell the listeners uh, yeah, who you are, what you're all about, what you do. Give us a, a brief background. Absolutely. So I am Claire Gregson. I'm a dating and relationship coach, and I help women to build a strong, loving, trusting, secure relationship with themselves first so they can go out and then create the relationship that they want in their romantic life. And for me, like your self relationship is the most important relationship you will ever have. It's the longest relationship you're ever going to be in. You're the only person that you're guaranteed to wake up next to every day for the rest of your life. And that's why I believe it's so important to make that a priority. But I think particularly as women, sometimes that relationship can start to come lower down the list of priorities. There's so many other people that we often feel that we need to show up for first. So I'm really passionate about empowering women really to step into that space where they're going do you know what I'm prioritizing me right now I'm prioritizing my own relationship and I'm going to put myself first so that's effectively what I do is I'm I'm a self-relationship coach but I call myself a dating and relationship coach because quite often people don't quite understand what a self-relationship coach does it's easier for them to understand what a dating and relationship coach does if that makes sense yeah absolutely and I suppose a lot of it's a tangible isn't it it's like people can understand you know if they want to meet a partner or understand their relationship type and you know you seek support in that but like you say actually taking a step back first and working with our own self relationship with self so so powerful we'll come back to some of the stuff like around um prioritizing self like I love that and I'm excited to see where the conversation goes but before I do that I ask all my guests about how they feel about change obviously this is a refreshing change podcast and I am obsessed with change Um, and I find it fascinating guests different responses to this so Claire how do you feel about change how's it played a role in your life tell us all so when it comes to change if you had asked me this question probably six years ago, Mm -hmm. I would have said that change was really fucking scary and I wasn't doing it. Mm -hmm. Like I was so afraid of uncertainty and on my own journey, effectively what happened was my life that I knew it started to crumble down around me and I was forced into a position where there was massive, massive change in my life. And what I actually realized through that journey that change allows us to grow and evolve and the only thing that's ever certain in life is uncertainty Mm. like the only thing we can ever control is our own actions and how we choose to show up we don't have direct control over anything else and actually when you can start to accept that when you can start to accept that change is just a normal part of evolving it becomes less scary 
that you know my answer now is so different from what my answer used to be I used to be like no I don't like change I like everything the way it is and I want to control everything around me because then I feel safe because for me change felt really really unsafe Mm. and how I feel now is actually change gets to be fucking exciting right so if you're going through a time in your life where there are challenges where it feels tough it's not about pushing that down or pushing it away but it's just remembering that things can change really really quickly and that gets Mm -hmm. to be an exciting thing as well so I'll bring it back to a dating example if you have been dating somebody and it's not worked out you can feel shit you're like oh my god I can't believe this hasn't worked out and I thought it was going somewhere and I don't want to be on my own but just think where you could be in three days time three months time three years time you don't know because Mm -hmm. stuff is changing all the time so I now see change as something that gets to be really really exciting Mm -hmm. yeah it was it's funny I was literally just on a call with a client this morning and we were talking about the how opportunities are everywhere and whether that's dating or whether that's just in life in general but often if we're not open to the opportunity and open to the change we don't even see it in front of us so yeah I love that thought of just yeah looking forward and how thick how quickly things can can change I love the word evolve I use it a lot because I do think it's um it's a really nice word for the gradual nature of it it's like Mm -hmm. here's a little bit of a change and a little bit of a change and suddenly six months goes by and you look back at your former self and think like or six years go by and you think god I'm totally different to who I used to be and how I used to feel about things um just in the change front and you'll laugh at this Claire and I are good friends and we should maybe (laughs) caveat the podcast with that um who who knows where who knows where the chat will go I'm I'm like you I love change now and I've probably always been quite open to uh I can adapt quite quickly but see some things I can't so I was out last night and the bus routes changed I mean it's something so menial but the bus stop that I not the bus I normally get no longer stops where it normally does like right outside my flat and I started feeling all these emotions. I mean, it's ridiculous. And I was like, this is not right. I need to complain. <laughs> I was getting all worked up about it just because it, 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 if it, anyone from Edinburgh Lothian Buses is listening, if you want to reinstate the bus that, to my bus stop at, um, down in Anfield, that'd be delightful. But <laughs> I was raging last night and I was like checking in myself. I was like, why am I getting so emotively charged around this change? But, it, but and I, that's one of the things I love about life is it's so situational and circumstantial. How we behave or act in one environment can be different to another environment or different from day to day. Like, you know, it's that constant ebb and flow of life, isn't it? So, yeah, anyway, moving on. That was a bit of a, si- a, bit of a sidebar. <laughs> what a dig deeper on this because we can do Nicola, but I don't oh, know if it's space. Next time no, we catch up, we can. No, not over the bus route. That's something I, I've... I've... <laughs> I've let it go this morning but I, I was really noticing how my reaction to the change and I was like this is wild <laughs> um but there you go so Claire diving back into some of the relationship stuff and, and I love that you said about like a self-relationship and going inwards and prioritizing ourselves. like what does that like look like for people you know what where do they start what's the journey and, and maybe t- maybe some of that will share some of the journey you've been on but what what are you helping clients with in terms of that prioritizing them what's that actually look like yeah absolutely and what I normally get my clients to start with is 
just feeling into like if I could score my relationship with myself between zero and 10 right now in this moment what would it be in terms of zero is I never put myself first I don't know what I want or need I'm not able to communicate it I'm always saying yes to things I don't really want to go to and I'm not able to set boundaries and 10 is like you know I speak my truth I'm authentically me I set boundaries I ask for my wants and needs and I know that if someone can't meet them it's not necessarily a personal thing Mm. so really just getting a feeling for where somebody is right now and I want to caveat this with if you're listening and you're like fuck I'm like zero out of ten or one out of ten it's really really common because we are not taught growing up that we have a self-relationship like Mm -hmm. if someone had said to me 10 years ago like what's the most important relationship in your life I wouldn't like I wouldn't have even featured on that list Mm -hmm. like I didn't even realize that was a thing um and it's only when I started to go through my own journey and I was coached myself for the first time that I was like oh my god like I don't have a relationship with me like I don't actually I've forgotten what I want and need Mm -hmm. like I don't know how to speak up for what I want and need I'm not prioritizing myself I'm not setting boundaries I'm saying yes when I'm invited out to something I just reflexively say yes instead of feeling into is this something that I want to do and Mm -hmm. what I learned on my own journey was when we start to actually just quieting down, just quieting the noise around us and start to go inwards and listen to what we really want. It's really, really powerful. And that can feel really scary at first because the voice that most people walk around listening to most of the time is our inner critic. So that's a negative voice in our head saying all the things like, you know, you're not good enough. You could have done that better. What's everyone going to be saying? Oh, you've done that again. And it's that constant sort of negative narrative. And a lot of people are living from that space. They're believing that that is them and they're making their decisions and their choices from there. So when we start to quieten down, we start to become aware of that. And that can feel really, really uncomfortable. That's where we need to bring in self-compassion. Because if you don't bring in self-compassion with self-awareness, you are just beating yourself with a stick Mm -hmm. for beating yourself with a stick. So the self-awareness, the self-compassion and when you can start to notice and let go of that more negative narrative, what you'll find is you're able to almost ground into like your inner knowing, like Mm -hmm. the space, this intuition, your heart space, your gut, however you want to relate to that, whatever kind of resonates. And when you're able to do that, then you can start to tune into like, what do I really want? Because we all get one life we get to be the creator, not the waiter. We get to be the creator and be like, what do I want to create in my life? What relationships do I want to create? What career do I want to create? What impact do I want to have? And we get to tune into that and then make decisions from that space. So I feel like we're kind of going off on a tangent here, but effectively like a self-relationship looks and feels like knowing yourself really deeply and making decisions from that space and letting go of other people's opinions. Mm. Um, I always scribble notes when I'm doing a podcast and I can't keep up with the speed, but I love um, <laughs> it. I'm going up right deep. I'm like, come on, let's go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I, I knew, like, we're so similar on many uh, respects, Claire, because, like, knowing yourself deeply and make it, I, I say that all the time in Change Club and I say that with clients. Like, if you can know yourself really well, like, well enough, 
for you to make the right decision for you in any given moment, then straight away you remove things like shame, guilt, regret, like all these negative things that for a lot of people ruminate for a long time after they've made a decision. Doesn't always mean we make the same decision day on day or in the same environment. Like I, that's the nuance of it, isn't it? Because life, like we say, was life's evolving and adapting and changing all the time. So just because I wake up one morning and go to the gym doesn't mean I'm going to do the same the next day if my energy is different or my body's aching or, do you know, or I've got something yeah. else that's a, that's a higher priority for me that day. Do you know, it's it's been able to make those decisions and choices in line with what's important to you. And I find that fascinating that you talked a lot about your needs and your wants. And actually, I was having a conversation with a friend a few weeks ago who's go, who's on her own journey. And again, you and I are years deep into this stuff so we all start at the beginning of a journey whatever that you know whatever that looks like for you as an individual she's on her journey this person I was speaking to and she's saying for so long I've I've relinquished boundaries I've not had them and people have taken advantage and I don't actually know what my needs are I've not taken the time to know what what do I need what do I want so that in itself like if even if people stop playing the podcast now, I'd encourage you not to. But that is a huge takeaway, isn't it? To know, to spend the time to do the work, to figure out, like, what are my needs? And we'll get onto that from a dating point of view in a second, because I think that's fascinating. Um, but, yeah, and I think that that thought of, I don't know what your take on this is, but that view of it being selfish, and, and women in particular probably struggling with that, putting everyone else ahead. Yeah, and I think that is such a societal thing in terms mm. of it's like the good girl syndrome. Mm. It's like just sit down, shut up, do what you're told, be nice, smile nicely. And a lot of us were brought up like that. We were praised for being good girls. And what is mm. a good girl? A good girl is somebody who doesn't speak up. She just gets on with things. She doesn't complain. She's amenable. She's pleasing. Um, you know, everybody likes her because she's not confrontational. And there's so many of us that are brought up in that way that when it comes to actually tuning into, okay, what do I really want? We, we don't know. We don't know. Cause we're like, well, I've never had to consider that before. And Again, I think there's still a view in society, not for everybody, but for some women that, oh God, but I can't put myself first because that is really selfish. But I always say it's like you are holding a cup, right? And if you don't actually pour anything into your own cup, you have nothing to pour into others' cups either. So mm -hmm. if you can be doing things for yourself, however that looks, so it might be for some women that's just taking 10 minutes a day to sit down to read a book to practice yoga to get out for a walk it's like move your body to dance whatever makes you feel good or whether it's taken half an hour whether it's taken an hour everyone's circumstances are different but we have to spend some time each day pouring into our own cup because otherwise what happens is we get up in the morning we're pouring into everybody else's cups and then it gets to the end of the day and we tip the cup and there's nothing fucking left for us and we don't pour back into it and then we wonder why we're feeling burnt out, why we're feeling exhausted, why we're feeling frustrated, why we're feeling disappointed and it's because we're not actually taking the time to look after and nourish ourselves and I know you'll agree with me when I say this Nicola, it is up to us as individuals to take accountability for our own well-being. So if you're listening and going, fuck, I'm not pouring into my own cup, 
it is your responsibility to do that. It is not anybody else's. But know that when you do do that, you're actually going to have more, not less to give to others mm. because you've looked after yourself first. Yeah. Yeah. I often talk about it being self-full rather than selfish. Like mm -hmm. I think society have termed or coined phrases that by default have negative connotations and associations, don't they? So um, I often think that if you're if you're topping your own cup up, like you just said, then we can be a better friend, sister, mother, you know, co-worker, whatever roles or hats you wear in life, it allows you to be better at those jobs. So it's like a kind it feels counterproductive because you're taking time away from those other people or those other things, but actually it means you go back to them with, you know, a new lease of life, more energized, more fulfilled, in a better mood, whatever it might be. But it, it, I think it takes initially just to do it to start with, doesn't it? Because I think I'll, I often hear that like, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't know if that resonates, like whether you, you hear that from clients as well, Claire, but often when we're in a, we're moving through life on a day-to-day and -day a bit of a kind of autopilot yeah it's hard to find time but it's about the intention I suppose isn't it absolutely and the all the other thing I would say is I would kind of challenge a little bit if someone says to me look Claire I just don't have time to meditate for 10 minutes a day I'm like okay how many minutes a day are you spending scrolling on Instagram mm. and Facebook and TikTok how much time are you spending watching Netflix I do believe that we all have time. It just depends what we're choosing to do with that time. Now, I'm not saying there's not going to be the odd day when something happens and we don't have any time at all, right? Because we're human. Sometimes that's going to happen. But there's so many people that are like, I just don't have the time for personal development. I don't have the time to go out for a walk or to meditate or to go to the gym or to do something that's going to be good for my well-being because I'm so busy. But then when you ask people, what do you do to unwind? Well, I lie in bed and I scroll on TikTok for an hour. I'm like, hmm, interesting. How does that make you feel? I just kind of feel like numbed out or I, I struggle to sleep or my sleep's really interrupted or I feel like my mind's buzzing. And I'm like, I wonder why that might be. Mm. And it's just because sometimes people don't actually slow down to notice, okay, where am I focusing my time and attention? And again, this is curiosity over criticism. This isn't about beating yourself with a stick like, oh my God, that's me. We all do it. Nicola and I talk about this. We fall down scroll holes. I like, love a Netflix binge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And as, and as well, we're talking about dating, dating apps. How many mm. of us haven't ended up going down a Tinder scroll hole, a Bumble or a Hinge scroll hole, and we're like, oh my God, I've actually been on this app for an hour and I've not actually been intentional. I've just been almost like numbing out or distracting myself. And it's because we're human. It's what we do. But it's just about, like you said, getting more intentional with our time and our choices and thinking mm -hmm. about what are the things that I can do that are actually going to nourish me and serve me moving forwards as opposed to doing things that are numbing out distracting avoiding mm -hmm. yeah not taking us any closer to the goals that we might have in life as well isn't it yeah um you, you've mentioned loads of examples of things that would fall into that camp of looking after your well-being or filling up your cup or but I think it, and I go on about this all the time it's different for everyone and you I know yeah. you'll you'll agree with that there and it, sometimes I think it does take a bit of trial and error before you land on like this really fulfills me or I feel great after this or that really works for me 
but it takes a bit of patience or certainly I found on my own journey it takes a bit of patience to get to that stage where you've tried a few things out and you land on a couple that really resonate um so I suppose it was just a shout out for folk to have the patience to go on that trial and error because I think yeah. you'd, you'd agree there's there's so many because I often speak to people about meditation for example and folk like oh I can't sit still and you know and meditate for 10 minutes well how do you feel when you go out for a walk oh yeah I love it I get really engrossed in the nature and just being present well maybe that's your form of meditation do you know like yeah. it, it doesn't have to be a prescribed mass-produced uh, tool or technique like you can create what's right for you I suppose is my point yeah I totally agree with that Nicola and, mm. and that's the thing it is trial and error and I also think it's about recognizing when we try something new for the first time often it's going to feel uncomfortable and there's going to be mm. some resistance yeah so maybe try it a few times maybe yeah. let's not you know try meditate once and go it's fucking rubbish my mind's mm. so busy oh it's horrible try it a few times if you try practicing meditating for a week or two and you're like this really isn't for me but you go out like you said you go out for a walk and you feel really relaxed afterwards let's go with that and like you said it's not prescribed we're all different but I think it's about being open-minded trying different things and feeling into what feels good for me but knowing that because we're human the first time we try anything in life it often feels uncomfortable if it's unfamiliar yeah for sure and you use the word curiosity early and I love that word I heard it on another podcast the other week. I love it. I find it fascinating. Just that, like, always looking for the lesson or for some insight. Yeah. I like think that's how I live my life now. But that's almost, when you're doing the trial and error thing, you know, again, if we stick with meditation as the example, maybe try it for two weeks. And some days it works and some days it doesn't. And get curious about it on the days that it doesn't. Did yeah. I have a real, did I have an emotionally charged meeting at work? Did I have an argument with my spouse? Have, have I just got a massive to-do list and I can't switch my brain? You know, there'll, there will always be a reason. Like, I love the question why, you know, yeah. I, if you ever, if you're ever trying to dig deeper, like just, just ask yourself why and sit with that and see what comes up. But I, I do think that's an interesting one for the curiosity as to why stuff works and it doesn't, and it does on some days and not on others. And like you say, the compassion of there's no, it, it, often do you think we've, we live in a society where stuff's right or wrong, you know, you have to follow the rules or you break through, whereas actually, if we let go of all of that, just be curious of what comes up and why things are the way they are and, and navigate that and feel into it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I say this a lot with the veterinary coaching that I do. It's curiosity over criticism. That is probably one of the, we use that phrase probably every third sentence when we're coaching people because it's so normal when people start to become more self-aware and they notice things. They're like, oh my God, why did I say that to myself? Why did I do that? And it's about, let's be curious about this. Like, this is interesting. It's not a point at which we need to beat ourselves up with a stick because of what we're noticing. Yeah. And earlier you said as well about how it makes you feel and I just want to doubt this is a bit of a tangent and I hadn't planned to go here but I think it's quite fascinating because I think a lot of people are so disconnected with how they actually feel yeah and we've got very good at society of you know even if just someone says oh how are you today oh I'm fine we've not really tapped into how we feel if we just say we're fine it's, it's the most non-descriptive word but it happens all around us all the time and it's, I've been on a journey with this understanding and feeling into things. So how, like, what's that? 
how would you describe that clear in a bit more detail if folk are thinking like I've no idea what these two are talking about feeling into things yeah so what I would encourage people who are listening to do is just taking like a few opportunities each day just to stop and just like ask yourself what am I feeling right now how am I feeling right now and just start to notice are there any like feelings or sensations that are present in your body and if there's a feeling there or sensation like can you name it can you give it a name are you feeling is it anxiety is it excitement are you bored um are you frustrated are you angry are you numb numb is also a feeling I think there's a really common misconception that numb is when you feel nothing but numbness isn't itself a feeling there's always something underneath that but just starting to stop and pause and tune in because there's so many people that are living from the head up like literally it's like they're just cut off from like the neck down they're just not able to tune into what's going on in their body and and there can be so many reasons for that which is probably out with the the scope of the conversation today but just people starting to pause just to tune in to notice the feelings that are there and I think the reason that that so many people don't do this is one we live in a society where busyness is praised like oh my god I'm just so busy it's almost seen as a badge of honor yeah and two I think yeah like there's so many people that haven't or or don't know how to sit with feelings of discomfort so they would rather like numb out or suppress or distract themselves or stay really really busy because when you're really busy from the moment till you get up till the moment you go to bed you don't have to deal with your feelings mm-hmm. feelings are not a thing you need to worry about because you're too busy and I I say this laughing because that used to be me as well so I get it right I understand and what I would say is it's so so powerful when we can learn to pause and actually notice what's going on in our body and just learn to be present with that and allow ourselves to feel what's kind of coming up without needing to change it or do anything differently. And and something that I find really fascinating, I remember listening to a podcast and they were saying they'd done, I think it was Harvard studies, don't quote me on that, but I think it was a Harvard study. And they'd said that any emotion that comes up in our body, if we just notice that emotion and we don't do anything with it, we don't try and change it, push it away, suppress it. It only lasts for up to 90 seconds and then it's gone because mm. emotions, just energy in motion. And the reason that our emotions and these feelings can end up hanging around is because we're resisting them or we're pushing them down or we're trying to change them. And I always find that really comforting. And so do my clients. If you're experiencing something and it feels really, really uncomfortable, just see if you can allow yourself to be with it without the story in your mind. Just experience the sensation that's there and imagine it's almost like waves. You're just riding the wave and it's going to come up and then it's going to crash. And once it's crashed, it's going to go calm again and it's going to go flat. And it's just about learning to ride that wave. And that's when I bring in a lot of nervous system regulation tools to my clients to resource them for when they are having those strong emotions so that they're able to hold themselves with compassion in those moments Mm, I love that yeah energy and motion um this is maybe very apt when we're talking about relationships but it it just came up to me when we're chatting about thinking and feeling that's a sex and the city reference for anyone that have you watched sex and city to be honest no I've seen the episodes I know I'm not gonna get the reference yet (laughs) but I mean it's not really I mean I feel like a spoiler alert 10 years after a film came out it's not really a thing but in the film one of them's a lawyer 
her and her her and her husband had separated. He cheated. They separated, and they'd been in counselling, and they were trying to decide whether to get back together or not. And the friend said to uh, Miranda, "Like, you have to tap into how you feel. Like, you could think your way out of. She's a lawyer. She could argue any side of any argument. You can think and rationalise." But and so that overrides, and I've definitely like you. I've lived most of my life in my thinking mind, but actually, how we feel is so important. Like it, you know, it's it's really telling us, it's guiding us where we should go, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like our our feelings are such they're almost like little guiding lights. If we can just allow ourselves to kind of tune into it and drop out of the thinking mind and. I guess like drop more into our body and our heart space and tune into like how am I feeling right now and again I think this needs to be done in the context of also being able to have like nervous system regulation tools as well because otherwise if you go from being someone who never allows yourself to feel feel your feelings to all of a sudden okay I'm going to allow myself to sit with every feeling that comes up Mm -hmm. and you have no way to resource yourself it can it can start to feel really, really overwhelming. And what I wouldn't want anyone to do is to try this and go, oh my God, I feel so overwhelmed or this is bringing up something really big that I've not addressed before. So I think with all of this, it's about knowing how to calm and regulate your nervous system as well so that you are able to, to ride those waves and those emotions. And on that, like, because that might be a new term for lots of people, the nervous system regulation. And I, and I know this could be a whole podcast on on a topic because it's it'll be a huge piece clear but where would people start like what's that what would be a go-to or a basic initial first step or a you know how would people yeah so I mean the first thing I would say is just taking conscious deep breaths so Mm -hmm. when you're breathing you know breathing in through your nose like down into your belly just feeling your belly expanding and then breathing out again and just doing that in a really slow conscious intentional manner and Breathwork is common sense, but it's not common practice. I remember mm-hmm. one of my mentors, um, Brett Moran, saying that. And your breath is the most powerful tool that you have for regulating your nervous system. Mm-hmm. And when you can start to tune into, like, how do I normally breathe? A lot of people are just taking shallow breaths from their chest. Mm-hmm. But when we do that, we're not actually sort of allowing our parasympathetic nervous system to kick in to actually allow us to calm and regulate. So even just starting to take slower deeper breaths is a good start towards working towards that and there's lots of different breathwork techniques there's lots of other and um, what's called somatic techniques so ways that you can work with the body because mm-hmm. effectively the way our nervous system works is it doesn't speak English so that is why if you are feeling really triggered so for example let's bring it back to date and you've been dating a guy and you've sent him a whatsapp and he's read it there's two blue ticks but he's not replied and you're like, okay, it's been 20 minutes and he's read my message and he's not replied, what's going on? And you're starting to feel really activated. If you start to tell yourself in that moment, oh, just don't be stupid, Claire, he's going to reply, it's going to be fine. It doesn't usually help, right? It doesn't make an awful lot of difference. Mm-hmm. And that's because your nervous system, like it doesn't speak English. You can talk to it till you're blue in the fucking face, mm-hmm. right? And it's not going to understand, but it understands through showing it somatically. And what I mean by somatically is through using body-based techniques to actually show the nervous system that we are safe Mm -hmm. in this present moment. And that's where we bring in things like breath work and other somatic tools just to allow our nervous system to calm and regulate. Because when we do that, it allows our prefrontal cortex, the logical, rational thinking part of our brain 
it's come back online and then we can start to think about things logically like okay he's read my message it's only been 20 minutes he's probably busy mm-hmm. he's probably at work maybe his boss is on the phone like mm-hmm. maybe someone's turned up at the door and we can start to think in that more rational logical way but when our nervous system when we're feeling really anxious or really worried our prefrontal cortex is literally offline there's no point trying to talk to it because it's not there it's not engaged and that's why nervous system regulation is such an important part of the work that I do with my clients because a lot of the clients that I work with experience a lot of anxiety in dating and relationships Mm -hmm. and if they're trying to make choices when they're in that anxious state and they don't have the tools that they need to regulate their nervous system things are never going to move forwards in the way that they want it to because they're making choices from that fight or flight state rather than a grounded state Mm. yeah and just uh, just as you were talking through that the thought that came to mind which is another side tangent but often that um the stories we make up in our own head come back to like often like that inner critic like I'm not good enough and putting the fault and the blame on on ourselves and I think this is where it comes back to the self-relationship like if we can love ourselves then how someone responds or engages with us anyone like doesn't take away from our own self-loving relationship and it's a quote that I always remember from I think it was Will Smith when he was talking about his relationship with his wife like she's responsible to make herself happy I'm responsible to make myself happy and we're then in a partnership where we support each other on our own happiness but I'm not responsible for her happiness and she's not responsible for mine. Yeah. And I think it's a real, when I heard him say that, it really clicked for me, but it also became wildly apparent how we externalise and expect either other people or other situations to be responsible for our happiness. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because I think there's so many people that, don't have a true sense of wholeness so there's Mm -hmm. this feeling of lack like there's something missing in my life and for some people it can be really difficult to articulate what that is so they try to fill that void externally because that's just Mm -hmm. the natural human thing to do to look for happiness or for that thing outside of ourselves and I think the other thing that I want to caveat is it's really normal as people that we want to be in relationship like we're humans and we're wired for connection this isn't about saying that you shouldn't want to be in a relationship um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or that there's something wrong if you feel that you get happiness from your partner because that's totally that's normal but I think it's always about finding that balance about going you know I am a whole happy human myself but I also get to be in this relationship and I describe it as the relationship is almost like a separate entity. So there's you, there's your partner, and then there's the relationship. And you both have to be putting into that relationship to then be getting something back out of that relationship. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be times where maybe your own resources are depleted and you're not putting as much in and your partner needs to put more in. But as long as there's always that kind of balance between you, your partner and the relationship, then that should be sustainable moving forwards. Where it doesn't work is where there's one person putting lots into the relationship and the other person's just taking, 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 but they're never putting anything back in. So it's almost like this triangle and we all need to be, we need to be feeding into the relationship to then be able to get something back out again. And relationships take work they need to be nourished they need to be given 
attention. Um, and I think there's a really common misconception of, oh, when you just, when you meet the one or the right person and that's it, it's just happy ever after. Mm. It absolutely does not work that way. I was in a 14 year relationship and married and long-term relationships take work and they take mm. effort and they take compromise. And that isn't to say that if you get into a relationship and it feels really hard, then you must stick it out because it takes hard work and compromise. But it is about saying that you're not going to meet this magical person and all of a sudden you're just in a relationship and it's all amazing and it's happy ever after. Like it, it doesn't work like that. There has to be a willingness to be in partnership with somebody and to 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 put in the work and the the effort because I'll be honest, I believe that for, for a lot of people, being single is easier than being in relationship. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting that um, you said there about compromise, because I then suddenly thought of boundaries, and it comes back to, again, and again, whether Claire obviously predominantly is working with people in terms of a romantic relationship, but all of this like when I was listening to you, I was like, that's so applicable to friendships, to family, to colleagues, maybe in a slightly different dynamic in terms of work relationships, but all relationships are, we all both have to put effort in to the relationship to get anything back out. Um, but the compromise boundary thing, and again, for me, it just keeps coming back to if we know ourselves well enough, and this is my take on it, I'd be interested to know your take, I know like how much I'm willing to compromise without losing my authentic self versus like completely losing myself in a relationship because of this, because of the other person's wants and needs. And then things come up around people pleasing or lack of boundaries, you know, so the whole thing, like whether we're talking about relationships or just your own self journey, like all of it's so intertwined and interconnected. I find it all fascinating. But I suppose that's the other value of going on that, that relationship with yourself is knowing like you said earlier your wants and needs so that when you do connect with someone else in a relationship you can stand confidently in your authentic self and be able to know what your wants and needs are but you'll be able to communicate them and not be able to not compromise so much that it has a detriment of your own well-being does that is all of this making sense yeah no it absolutely makes sense and I think it's about really like tuning into like what are your non-negotiables in a relationship and what are your preferences mm, now yeah. this is always an interesting one and what I would say is saying that your future partner needs to be over six foot twos shouldn't really be a non-negotiable let's make that a preference because I think when you you ask people like what are you looking for in a partner they'll quite easily come up with the the physical appearance this is how I want them to look the Mm. aesthetics or this is the profession or the job that I want them to have or these are the hobbies that I want them to have and actually it's more tuning into like what values do they hold how do they make you feel how do they show up in the relationship how do they communicate how do they deal with conflict and that's not saying that you write all this down and you go out and you find person somebody that's going to check all the boxes like if that's Mm. how you're going out and you're dating you're dating with a checklist you're going to really really struggle to meet somebody to be honest because there will always be something where you're like oh it doesn't quite check that box so it's a no and that's where the compromise has to come in Mm. but it's really useful if you've got your non-negotiables and you can say I want this person to be honest 
I really want to be with somebody who's ambitious and I want somebody that's compassionate. Those are my non-negotiables. That's easier to navigate than, oh, well, well, he's got to be over six foot two. He has to have dark hair, blue eyes. I prefer if he was half Italian because I find Italian men really hot. He's got to have a six five. And if we go out and we're looking for somebody that way, I think often we end up feeling disappointed so just getting really clear on like what are my non-negotiables what are my preferences the things that I prefer and what are the things that I'm willing to compromise on Mm. so it might be that I don't know you say I want a guy who is entrepreneurial and he has his own business and actually meet somebody and they don't have their own business yet but they've got a side hustle or something they're thinking about doing but they're not at that stage Mm. if it's something where you're like well I'm kind of willing like, that's cool. That's okay. I'm going to compromise on that because I can see that this person is ambitious or they're passionate about something. Mm-hmm. It's maybe not in the way that I had first imagined that I would want. So I think just getting clear and often I think sometimes that's trial and error. It's just mm-hmm. going on with people. It's noticing what are the things like the traits that you find attractive in people and what are the things that actually you don't really want in a partner. And that might be based on your previous experiences. It might be based on you know dates you've been on before relationships that you've had but often it is about trial and error and feeling into things and just getting really really clear on what is that I'm wanting to create and most importantly how does that feel because if you can get into the energy of how it feels to be with that person you're going to then attract opportunities that are vibrating at a similar frequency and this is all kinds of law of attraction manifestation which is something that I'm also really interested in but I truly believe that um, we are what we attract in terms of energy so if we Mm -hmm. can really practice getting in that space of I think this is a a good analogy imagine that you are going on an all-inclusive holiday you're in the best five-star resort in the area you turn up, you have got the upgraded room. There is a like a jacuzzi on the balcony. All your meals are taken care of. All the drinks are included. It's not just the local spirits. It's like all inclusive, all the alcohol, everything that you want. And all you have to do is just be. You just have to be like feel into that energy, that feeling of wholeness. Everything is taken care of. I am so well looked after. There's nothing that I need to worry about. Feeling into that, that is the the energy that you want to be in when it comes to manifesting a partner, manifesting a relationship. Mm. I don't like to say manifesting love because we are love. Like Mm. the love is already there within us. Nobody gives us love. It's just we meet some people that allow us to tap into that. We're able to express that love. But yeah, when it comes to manifesting a relationship or a partner, just feeling into that feeling of wholeness. Yeah. And the things that you were listening there around the non-negotiables and the preferences, I love all that because I think it comes back to like if we know the values and the traits we want in the a partner it holds the mirror up to ourselves like how are we gonna you know we have to go on the work on the journey to do the work to discover ourselves first to to be able to then see that in someone else I think so it it circles us right back around to relationship with ourselves to understand ourselves I'm so passionate about with the refreshing change and I, I know you know this Claire but with the you know deeply knowing who we are and then figuring out what we deeply desire but it starts with us before we can then go out with whether it's relationship or job or you know whatever it might be in someone's life but often I find that common as well when people are like here's my checklist and I'm like well 
you know, even if it is values based, like how many of those things do you show up as on a daily basis? Yeah. And they're like, oh God, yeah, I'd never thought about it. And and not to say that we that we match our significant other, you know, like we can have separate, but if we're looking for something in particular, are we checked in with how, uh, how are we living in alignment with our own values and how are we showing up? Yeah, um, absolutely. So it's, it's fascinating. Just, um, I know, and I said this before we jumped on recorded, but I know we've had lots of chats around attachment style and love languages. And I'm starting to, like, I just get vibes. I get vibes that more people are starting to be aware of their love language and I've heard of maybe attachment style. But just for the benefit of the listeners, because I think these are two major things in, I don't know if you would agree, but two major things when dating to understand your own. There's loads of personal personality profiling the folk doing business with executives to understand who they are I think when when it comes to dating oh I've just remembered something I'll write it down and say it after just on something else you said um but just on the attachment style and love language can you just give us a bit of insight clear into what that what those are absolutely and I'm going to keep this really really top level and brief because I'm actually thinking what we should do is maybe a part two if you'll have me back again to really dive into this because Mm. honestly attachment theory and love languages are a full podcast episode in themselves and I don't want to not do these topics justice because they're my area of expertise but to sum it up as briefly as I can everybody has an attachment style and that Mm. determines their comfort or discomfort with intimacy closeness communication as well as their preoccupation with their partner in a romantic relationship we all have an attachment style it is formed in childhood when we were very young when we're babies it's formed in our nervous system and it's as a result of their relationship that we had with the parent or primary caregiver that spent the most time looking after us when we were young so 50% of the population are secure 20% are what's called anxious 25% are dismissive avoidant and 5% are fearful avoidant and all of these different attachment styles will have different traits in terms of how people show up in relationship not just romantic relationship other relationships as well but it shows up most strongly in our intimate relationships and again I'm not going to dive right into this because I can't do this topic justice in like five minutes But what I would say is when you learn about your attachment style, it is honestly an absolute fucking game changer because your attachment style determines a lot of your behavior in relationships and a lot of it comes from a subconscious level. What I would say to anyone that's listening to this that then goes out off the back of this and does an attachment style quiz where they find out about it. Attachment styles, they're not a label, they're not a box, and they're not a pathology, they're an awareness. And when you have that awareness, you can start to understand your own patterns of behavior as well as other people's patterns of behavior in dating and relationships. And they're also a sliding spectrum. So secures in the middle, anxious is at one end, dismissive avoidant is at the other, and they slide along the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And our how we show up can depend on the other person's attachment style as well so it's almost like a dance and the way that we dance with each other depends on where both people are sitting on that attachment spectrum Mm -hmm. and I think the most important thing for anybody listening to know is if you identify with having an insecure attachment style which is any of the styles other than secure you can do the work to rewire and regulate your nervous system 
to move towards secure attachment. And this is my speciality. So this is exactly what I do with my clients. I work with women who tend to lie on the more anxious end of the attachment spectrum. And we do the work to move them towards more secure attachment. Not because they're broken, not because there's something wrong with them or they need fixed, but because when you can become more secure within yourself in that relationship and show up more securely in other relationships, it's just a lot kinder on your nervous system. It allows you to show up more authentically and it allows you to have your wants and needs met and to be able to navigate difficult conversations and conflict and to be able to truly create the relationship that you want. So it's not about saying like, oh God's like secure is the holy grail and we don't want to be anything else. It's just about having that awareness and that understanding of, okay, how can I move towards secure attachment? And there's lots of parts to that. There's looking at the underlying subconscious beliefs. There's rewiring those. There's nervous system regulation. There's teaching the tools such as effective communication, the difference between men and women. And when it comes to communicating, resolving conflict, um, setting boundaries, like teaching skills that people who are inherently more securely attached find it easier to practice naturally compared to people who aren't because that was modeled to them when they were growing up, whereas those who were insecurely attached were less likely to have those healthy, secure behaviors modeled to them by their parents or the people that they spent time with as they were growing up. So that's kind of attachment theory summed up as quickly as I possibly can. But I do feel we should do another episode around this because mm. we can. I love the fucking juice of this. Mm. Right? There's some real things that I can share that people are going to be like, holy shit, that makes so much sense. And then love languages are the ways that we like to give or receive love. And again, that can be dependent on how we saw that being modeled as a child. So there is physical touch, there's words of affirmation, there's acts of service, there's gifts, and there is, and now my mind is going to go blank because Qual I'm on the spot. Quality uh, time. Quality time, that's one, yep. So we've all got a way that we prefer to give love and a way that we prefer to receive love. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it can be important to understand our own love language is we can then communicate it to a partner. So if your partner's love language is physical touch and they feel loved when you give them a hug, but your love language is acts of service, so you feel loved when someone runs you a bath, you can be running your partner a hot bath every fucking night, but if you're not coming home and giving him a hug, he may not feel very loved, mm -hmm. even though to you, you are giving him love in the way that you like to receive mm -hmm. and vice versa. And that's why it can be so interesting to understand that and to have that conversation to know basically like, how can I show up better for you? And how can you show up better for me so that we're both getting our needs met in this relationship? And again, this is a whole nother kind of like podcast episode to like really dive into this and understand it and to get curious about it. But definitely two, two big topics that really will make a difference if people spend the time getting to understand these when it comes to dating and relationships. Mm -hmm. I remember with the love language one, I think it was at the end of the book, I listened to the audio book and it was, it just showed examples where people were in you know, had been married for years or decades, but just had lost touch with what each other's, maybe they'd never known, but it got to the point where all it needed was them to be able to self-identify and then to be able to communicate that with someone else, but they were just off kilter with each other. Yeah. So it is about, so again, uh, all of this stuff we've spoken about, whether it's romantic relationships, friendships, family connections, you know, whatever it is, 
and it might be if you're single or dating or married or like it's so applicable to you know any stage we can always do the work on ourselves and I'm so glad you said about the label Claire because I do believe I talk about it like a jigsaw puzzle so like every time we find out something else about ourselves, whether it's our love language attachment style you know whatever it might be we add another jigsaw puzzle to the you know the jigsaw of who we are yeah but it doesn't define who we are it just gives us a bit more clarity in what the picture is we're building of ourselves um so I, yeah I, I never I always say that to clients I never want to for people to take on a label and think well that's just who I am same with extrovert introvert or do you know it, it, it's having awareness to then use it to your advantage not to be like well this is my label and this is a book that I have to stay in for the rest of my life we can absolutely do the work to change where we maybe want to but equally sometimes awareness just gives us a different perspective and we can behave in a different way knowing that about ourselves um the one thing I was going to say earlier because we were saying about you I think you mentioned how someone makes you feel and it makes me think of the um Matthew Hussey who's another relationship coach he he often talks and it, it just resonated when you were saying that he often talks about think about not Try and think about not how you feel about someone else. Think about how they make you feel. I think that's yeah. really powerful. Whether that's your boss, <laughs> your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your mother, your father, your friend. Think about how they make you feel rather than how you think how you feel about them. And even just when you get your head around that, you can see how they're very different standpoints, aren't they? Absolutely. And it's like going into yeah. date and instead of worrying like, oh my God, is he going to like me? Going in and thinking wonder if I'm going to like him mm. wonder if I'm going to like him and again it's just getting curious about like how do you feel in your body when you're around somebody are you feeling excited is that genuine excitement or is it anxiety again we'll need to mm. <laughs> touch on this on another episode because this is a whole nother thing about having an activated nervous system and mistaking that for for excitement do I feel calm around this person do I feel grounded do I feel like I'm able to just say what's on my mind and not have to think about it first do I feel happy do I feel drained do I feel like they've just sucked the bloody life out of me like starting to like really tune into how you feel in somebody's presence and how it affects your your energy and again it's just noticing it's not about criticizing it's not about saying you know if you meet a friend and they're having a bad day and you feel drained afterwards you're like right I'm going to cut them out my life mm. but it's just about being curious and noticing the patterns and if there's a consistent pattern of every time I spend time with this one person I come away and my energy feels really depleted looking at okay what am I choosing to do about this am I going to set a boundary so instead of going out for dinner with them for two hours I'll meet them for half an hour for a coffee mm-hmm. so it's not feeling like such a, a drain on my energy or do I need to have a conversation with them or do I want to choose to see them less frequently? And again, it's tuning into your own energy and what do I need? And it's not about just cutting people out of your life. It's about just getting curious. And sometimes it may mean cutting people out of your life as well. I just sort of caveat with that because I don't want people going, oh my God, like I've, I've got a few friends and it's not felt great being around them recently and do I need to cut them out and it's not about that but it's about saying you get to make an empowered decision about Mm -hmm. how you spend your time and your energy Mm -hmm. you get to decide that for yourself and what feels good for you Mm -hmm. and even just even that just bringing awareness to initially Claire because I think a lot of people like I mentioned earlier that 
autopilot. We go through life, we socialize, we work, we do our stuff. And sometimes we feel drained at the end of the week, but we're not sure what it is that's causing that. So it's, yeah. it, it's just, it's knowledge and information and data. I, I'll talk about it like data. We gather the data and then we can make a, a, an informed decision about what we want to do moving forward. Um, but you're right, it's not just about cut. And again, over a prolonged period, when you talked earlier about the relationship, about the triangle, I often think that, you know, true of friendships as well. But there are times, whether it's in a romantic relationship or a friendship, where you might need to be the person putting in more than the other person, depending on their life situation. But then the roles will reverse. We all know, we all go through tough times where we maybe lean on friends a bit more or family have to step in and help or you look to your partner to do more of something because you've not got it in you. Do you know? Yeah. But there's there's ebbs and flows, aren't there? Like it it balances out over time. You know, if you it's like some of those pictures I see of like memes of success going up the staircase and you feel like you've not got very far, but when you zoom out, you climb this whole, you know, ten floor building. It's a bit like that over the over the bigger picture is the energy exchange right. Um but yeah, I think there's there's loads of um, top tips and and I did I did want to focus on the self bit initially because I think that it all starts with us. But like you say, the some of the attachment style and love languages like dive into whole pieces of of different conversations. Just to circle back to the self love, Claire, like if we were to leave the listeners with a kind of top tip for where people should start, or do you know they've listened to this and thought I haven't really prioritized myself? I feel quite overwhelmed and um not fulfilled and I you know it's affecting some of my relationships and I'm not where would they what would they do to start what kind of couple of tips could you give them I would say the first action point for anybody is commit to doing one small thing for yourself every single day whether it's sitting and doing some deep breathing for a couple of minutes whether it's sitting and having like a mindful cup of tea in the morning whether it's having a hot bath each night just decide on something small and when you can be consistent with that and you can show up for yourself every single day, mm. what you're doing is you're basically sending a message to your subconscious that I'm a priority. Like I'm worthy of taking time for, and it's showing yourself that. And I say that because that's what I did at the very, very start of my journey. That's one of the first things that I had to do in the coaching program I was part of was to commit to doing one small thing for myself every day. And I'd never done that before. And it made a huge, huge difference. And it makes a huge difference to my clients as well. So it's it's easy, it's actionable. What I would say is don't be like, right, I'm going to get up two hours early every day. Like, let's set the bar so low that you could trip over it. Let's mm. take two minutes a day, five minutes a day just for you. And what you'll find is the more that you do that and you're consistent with that, it becomes a habit and then you can start looking at what are the other things that I start want to introducing want to start introducing in and that might be just pausing once or twice during the day and being like how am I feeling right now how am I feeling in my body what's going on can I allow myself to be curious about that and again it's a journey it's about taking all the little steps but I would say that that would be the beginning part is just starting to do something for you amazing what a powerful end Claire thank you so much for your time and your wisdom that's been yeah amazing to chat to you oh amazing thank you so much for having me on and thank you for listening everyone
thank you so much for listening I really hope you enjoyed that episode and make sure you subscribe and follow the podcast so that next week you can join us again